So uh, I'm going to share a story with you guys. I think I've shared this one here once before, but I want to I want to approach it from a different angle. And uh, for those of you who who uh, weren't here last night, I would encourage you to to seek out the recording just because this will be kind of a direct continuation off of that. So. Um, uh, and if you haven't ever heard me speak before, sometimes I see angels. Okay. Um, so when I was, uh, 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 before, I mean, as I mentioned yesterday, I've been part of the uh, Bethel Atlanta School of Supernatural Ministry in Atlanta, Georgia for about 11 years now. And um, before that, I did three years of school of ministry in Reading. Now, uh, during my first year at the school there, I, I noticed a problem that we also face in our school pretty regularly. And this, this problem is that there's a really wide variety of students that come to our school and also the school in Reading. There are students who come to the school who have been pastors for 20 or 30 years. There are students who come to the school who got saved a week before they came. There are people who come to our school that are in their late 80s. There are people who come to our school who just graduated high school. And so, with such a wide variety of experiences, um, one of the things that uh, the teachers in Reading did to try to make sure that uh, even with such a wide disparity in Christian experiences and background, that there would be at least at least a basic um, basic understanding of biblical history and and the Bible. Um, one of the one of my favorite teachers out there, a guy by the name of uh, Dan Fairley, created a very simple uh, little quiz. It was just a really basic quiz. It was, you know, a map of Israel during its prime, and it was a basic timeline um, of biblical history. And one of those things where he would teach it just for one or two sessions, and then later we were going to be doing a quiz just to make sure that we knew, you know, all these very important dates and kind of the geography of the area. Um, and again, as I mentioned last night, I've, you know, I've grew up in a Christian family, grew up as a pastor's kid, going to Sunday school my whole life, and so all the material was pretty, you know, pretty basic and familiar to, to me and most people who you know, grew up that way. And so um, I remember the day that we were supposed to take our quiz. Uh, it was a Tuesday. And on Tuesdays, we always started with worship. And for whatever reason, this particular Tuesday, worship was just going off the chain. <laughs> it was going, it, it, just the presence of God just showed up in this totally unique way. The, you know, that almost the entire student body, there was about 250 students, uh, were, were jumping up and down and dancing and spinning around. And, you know, I, I, I've loved the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, but I don't always love him with my emotions. You know, I just, <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 there's a lot going on in here during worship, but I'm usually just kind of, you know, doing a little of this, you know, a little of that. <laughs> If I'm really feeling it, I'll take a step. Ooh, there it is. You know, it's... <laughs> that, was, that was both feet moved. Ooh. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, but even I, on this particular day, there was just this, this you know, this, this presence that just made you want to dance. And I was dancing and running around and spinning around in the back. And the, the band was dancing around. The guitar players were spinning around so vigorously that they were getting tangled up in their guitar chords. And... <laughs> Just this beautiful, beautiful time of worship, and just just the sense of almost community in worship, like everyone was just on the same page, you know. And when I when I looked into the spirit, I saw this uh, dozens of angels dancing around, and there was this um this golden oil that was pouring into the room, 
and just filling it up. It was, it was this golden oil was sloshing around, and angels were, were scooping up big barrels of it and uh, just dumping it over people. You know, I even saw one angel uh, scoop up a big barrel of the oil and just smash it over someone's head, you know. And, and so it was just this joyous, you know, just a celebrating in the presence of God. And, you know, again, just, just it was a really unique experience. I don't know if I've had one quite like it uh, since, since then. And, and so in the middle of all these dancing angels and dancing students, uh, out, of, out of the chaos on the stage, I see Dan Fairley emerge with his, his great big binder under his arm. He walks up to the table that they have in the center of the stage and sets it down. And the students, being the honoring Bethel students that they are, start playing quietly, you know. And... I, as I see him approaching, I turn and look at the clock and realize that, oh, it's, you know, it's time for worship to be over and it's time for us to do the quiz. Now, this was uh, two, maybe three months into school, and there had already been a couple, a handful of circumstances where the, the presence of the Holy Spirit had shown up in some sort of unique way, and whatever was the plan or the schedule uh, didn't happen. You know, we ended up going a different direction uh, just because of what the Holy Spirit was doing. And so as I was just feeling the intensity and this acceleration in, in worship, as, as Dan walked up to the front and set down his binder, I was absolutely, totally, and 100% confident that he was about to tell us that we're going to keep worshiping because God is clearly doing something, clearly just releasing something amazing. We can, we can take this quiz any old time. Instead... Uh, he walked up, I mean, I waited for the band to quiet down just a little bit, and said, all right, everyone, it's time to take our quiz. Go ahead and find your seats and uh, pull out a pencil. <laughs> and and I, it's no exaggeration that I heard an audible gasp from half of the room. <laughs> the, the guitar players kind of turned and looked at each other, almost with, with this look of almost like, should we just keep playing? Like, kind of... <laughs> thing, and, and again, honoring Bethel students, but it, there was just this palpable sense of going somewhere in, in worship, and, and honestly, this feeling of not being there yet, you know, that it's, that's on the horizon, that it's, that it's right there, and after no one moved for, the, for about five seconds, he said, yes, please go find your seats, and so we all kind of walked back to our seats. I heard one or two maybe slightly less than honoring comments on my way back, um, <laughs> But they've, they've been stricken from the record. Um, and, uh, and it's all under the blood now. Um, but the uh, got back to my seat and sat down. Papers got passed out, and I started filling out my, my quiz. And, and I found that as I was sitting there writing this out that I couldn't, I couldn't quite get over it. You know, I kept thinking, man, worship was really going somewhere. Like, it was really going somewhere. I'm, I'm so shocked that we, that we stopped. You know, I'm kind of uh, blown away. And so I, I look around, and I see everything that I saw in the Spirit during worship was still there. There was still oil pouring into the room. There were still angels. The, all the angels were still there. They were kind of standing there looking this way and that, like almost waiting for their cue kind of, kind of thing. In fact, there was one angel who was standing with a barrel over his head, kind of like in mid-pour, <laughs> you know, like just waiting. And as I looked around and saw that, and in looking at it, I could feel this sense of acceleration and worship like kind of uh, boil up inside me again. I, I had the thought go through my head of, Dan, you made a mistake. You, you were wrong. We were supposed to keep worshiping. And you, you made a mistake, you know, using your gift to justify your opinions and feelings. 
we'll talk about that later. <laughs> and as I was uh, reveling in my self-righteous uh, vigor, I, I felt this gentle little tug from the Holy Spirit. And I felt him pulling me to the, to the back corner of the room. And I looked in the back corner of the room, and I saw a three-tiered fountain uh, in the Spirit. They don't actually have a three-tiered fountain back there in case you needed that clarification. Um, and it, there was this green water that was flowing out of it, and it was flowing out of it so much that the fountain was actually overflowing. And angels had wooden buckets, and they were filling up this, the overflow of this fountain and setting, it, uh, setting the full buckets in stacks along the side wall. And uh, the second that I looked at this fountain, I immediately had different uh, just words of knowledge for supernatural physical healing start running through my mind. I could just feel God's desire to heal people just boiling up in me. And as I looked around the room, in fact, I felt like in, in certain places it was like my, my eyes switched to x-ray vision and I could, see, uh, I could see illnesses, I could see bones that hadn't healed quite correctly, just all these things around the room, boom, 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 everywhere, so much so that I had this urge to like sneak out of my seat and go lay hands on someone. I could just feel God's desire to heal people. And as I was feeling this, again, I just felt this, this gentle little tug from the Holy Spirit. I felt him uh, uh, lead me to the front, uh, what would be your right side of the room. And I looked up and I saw a hole in the ceiling and through this hole I could see sunshine and, uh, and these beautiful clouds, like it was a beautiful, you know, bright sunny day. And I saw these letters come down out of this opening. And they were like old-fashioned, like handwritten letters, you know, the ones with stamps and things. Um, and they came pouring into the room and flew in and uh, just stopped above different people's heads. And, and soon, almost everyone in the room had two or three or four of these letters stopped above their heads. And the second I saw this, I immediately could feel God's desire to release his prophetic voice into people's lives, to, to, to speak words of love, of affirmation, of kindness over people. And I couldn't look at any person for more than two seconds without getting a prophetic word from them, and then getting another, and then getting another. Again, so much so, so intense was this feeling that I had that urge to get out of my seat and whisper a quick prophetic word to someone nearby. And as I was feeling this again, I, I started to catch on to what the Lord was saying. I looked at the angels that were present in worship and I could feel that desire to worship, to, to step into a new level of worship. I looked back at the fountain and I could feel God's desire to release a new level of healing in that place. I looked at the opening in the ceiling and the letters and I could feel God's desire to release his, his prophetic voice into that place. And then I looked up at the stage to where Dan was standing. He had his big binder open and he was flipping through pages. And as I looked at him, I noticed an angel standing behind him that hadn't caught my eye before. Um, this angel was wearing these robes that were really, really proper, really precisely, you know, just so. The, the, best, way, the best way I've come up with explaining what this angel looked like is he kind of looked like my idea of a Victorian librarian. Like, it's very prim and proper and everything just so. They had this, this angel had this really big book. It was about, you know, like this thick. And he uh, took the book and he set it down on the table next to Dan and waited just long enough for me to see these um, big block letters embossed in gold on the, si on the spine of the book 
that just said life before he uh, opened it up. And when he did, there was uh, words written on the pages. And as soon as he opened it up, the words peeled off the page and lifted up into the air and began flowing into the room. And they were not, they were not written in a language that I could understand or, or recognize on sight. But these words peeled off the page hundreds at a time, and as soon as it was empty, he turned the next page and more came out. They floated into the room, and I saw some people it hit them in the forehead, some people it hit them in the chest. And these words went around, and I watched as one of them came to me and hit me right in the chest. And as soon as it did, I had this, this sense of acceleration in my desire to pursue God in the context of his written word, like I had never had before. And, you know, as I mentioned, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up going to Sunday school. I grew up in a church that had a really, really amazing value for really studying the Bible, really digging in deep and make, taking personal responsibility for studying the Bible. And so I had a really strong foundation there, but I felt stories that I had heard a hundred times, maybe even 200 times over and over again, take on brand new life, like I was, like, like in my own memory, I was seeing them for the first time. I saw connections between the stories, connections between scriptures that I had never seen before. It felt like my entire history with the Bible just woke up all at once, and I was hungry for, for, to, to fill it in more. And it occurred to me as I, was, as I was standing there and that was happening that I, I would have known how to pursue a new level of worship in that particular moment. I would have known how to pursue a new level of the prophetic because of my history and because of the value I had for that. Because of my time at the school thus far, I would have known how to pursue a new level of supernatural physical healing but in that particular point in my life, I would not have actually known how to pursue a new level of understanding and value and love with the Bible. It was, in fact, only because I chose to, even if I did it begrudgingly, honor Dan and what he was doing. And as that occurred to me, I realized something that may seem obvious. God is big, <laughs> right? In fact, he might be so big that he's 100% ready to release a new level of worship, 100% ready to release a new level of supernatural physical healing, 100% ready to release a new level of prophetic, and at the same time, 100% ready to release a new level of understanding of his written word all at the same time. And that I might have been a little bit foolish to think that my opinion about where what God was doing was more valuable or more right than what Dan's was. Does that make sense? Yes. So to, tonight I want to talk about what I think is the direct partner of everything that we talked about last night. Last night we talked about how God crossed the gap, about how, how great his desire to be with us is, how great his desire to connect with us is, how much he wants us to, to know him, that he wants to be known by us and he wants to know us. He wants real relationship and intimacy with us. 
And tonight I want to talk about something that I believe that directly holds hand with that. And that's correction. <laughs> some of you are excited, some of you are wondering why you're still here. <laughs> I, I love being corrected by God. That might sound like one of those like churchy things to say or something like that, but it is really the truth. I love being corrected by God because anytime I'm corrected by God, it's him giving me something better than what I have. You know? It's him giving me something that's way better than what I have. And I want to talk just a little bit tonight about some of the things that can make us actually resistant to correction, make us misunderstand correction, or um, even as you may have experienced it just a moment ago, be frightened by the idea of, of correction. Yeah? You know, I... My, my wife and I, we uh, uh, lead the uh, pre, pre-marriage ministry at our, at our church, and so we've done that for several years, and um, <laughs> it's been really fun now. To, I think we've been doing it in more or less for about six or seven years now, and so there's some couples that we've counseled and done classes with that have been married for a little, little while now, and I... I <laughs> You know, we teach a lot of the stuff that like people like Danny Silk and different people like that teach, just about communication and you know conflict resolution, all that wonderful, exciting stuff. And um, and all the time uh, when people in these wonderful, just you know, uh, excited, happy, uh, you know, engaged or, or or seriously dating couples come in, and you know, we go through all these different tools and things. They you know, smile and, and, you know, they listen politely, of course, um, but almost all of them, uh, usually the guys, have this kind of, uh, you know, expression of like, oh, I might need this once or twice, you know. <laughs> we, we may need to resolve a conflict here or there, you know. It's, you know, <laughs> once every five or six years or something, I'm sure we'll have some kind of, you know, relational challenge, but, <laughs> and we'll bring those tools out then, but, um, and, I um, am always uh, <laughs> a little bit excited as they get into their first and second and third year of marriage and come back to me and say, so what was that thing you said again about the uh, <laughs> how to resolve conflict and the code books and all these different things? And um, I think that establishing a correctable, a, a correction relationship with God is something that I think we can all just say, yeah, that's a good idea, obviously, right? But recognizing how valuable, how essential, how, how mandatory that is for our day-to-day life is, is just so, 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 so important. Uh, on a good day, I feel like I'm corrected by God eight or nine times a day. <laughs> Now, I, I know that all of us have had different kinds of parental backgrounds. We all have different kinds of experiences uh, that sometimes cause us to 
expect correction to look a certain way. Um, I, uh, so, you know, as I mentioned before, or I think it was actually last night, I'm, I'm the director of the Bethel Atlanta School of Supernatural Ministry now, and uh, one of my very exciting roles that I get to have is that when there's a, you know, a really big problem with, with a student or a really big mess that gets made, uh, I get to be involved in the conversations that come after that. And, you know, we have fantastic students, so it's only eight or nine of them a year. Um, and, which is actually really good, honestly. It's, it's, not, it's not that bad. But um, one of the things that I've seen so consistently in these moments where I um, am walking up to someone to give them feedback about something that happened, about something that they did or a decision that they made, whatever that might be, fill in the blanks, not really important for this conversation. Um, I, every single time I watch what I say go through a filter before it gets to them. Every single time, 100% of the time. Used to bother me, now I realize it's super normal. <laughs> um, I, and one day I uh, had uh, three of these conversations in one day, or I had them scheduled out you know, for that evening, and I had, I had done this enough that I'd recognize uh, that, oh, there's this filter every time, I'd really seen it. Um, I said, Lord, help me understand what's going on here. And I walked up to conversation number one, and conversation no, number one, um, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to go into any of the details behind it because that's not really important. But I was having a conversation with a young man. And so I went to talk to him to talk about just some behavior that he'd been having. And I watched as I, and you know, anytime I'm trying to confront a student, we, you know, we're, we're not a very authoritarian environment. We really like to empower our students, you know. We, you know, like to give them a lot of choices. One of those choices, some of those choices might lead them to them no longer being in class, but uh, they're allowed to make those choices if they want to. I'm not in charge of you, you know. And as, I, as I'm trying to be as, as honoring, and it's one thing that I, not that I'm perfect at it by any means, but it's one thing that I try to think about as much as possible is I want to be as honoring as I possibly can to this person in this moment because it's, I've been corrected lots of times in my life. I've needed correction a lot of times in my life, and it's, it's never exciting, right, you know? Um, and so I'm watching that, and I'm watching this person. I'm trying to deliver this as, with as much dignity and as much honor as I can while still being very clear about what, how these choices are affecting him in this environment. And I watch this filter appear, and I said, okay, here we go again, Lord, what's going on? And I saw almost like, a, if you've ever uh, been on the backside of a projection screen of a movie theater or something like that, you can see kind of a hazy version of the image that's going on in the front of the screen. And so it was kind of like that. Where as I spoke, I saw um, just this kind of light coming out of my mouth. And, um, and this light hit this projection screen. And on this projection screen, uh, was a picture of me, um, and, except I was about two feet taller, which was nice. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a lot, but still, <laughs> I would have been good at basketball. Um, and I was, 
But I was that tall, but I was kind of hunched down, and I was doing this. And the expression on my face, and, and the, even the, obviously I wasn't hearing this at all, but, I, but the, even the, 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 I could almost hear the tone, the expressions were so clear, was one of being demeaning, of being harsh, of being, uh, you know, the, the I'm big, you're small, the you better listen to me, the I brought you into this world and I can bring you right out of it sort of <laughs> conversation. I see some of you may have heard that before um, from somewhere. Uh, and that 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 genre of of thing, and I'm watching this this person's, and, and I said, "Okay, Lord, what's really going on?" And I watched me turn into this person's dad, and I watched uh, again. Do I think I was doing this absolutely perfectly? Absolutely not. But I'm watching what I am doing, being filtered, again. So I got to conversation number two, and it was with a uh, young woman, completely different subject. Um, and uh, I'm, always, I'm always going back and forth, and should I let you in it all to the background, but it might make it a little well. It's fine. Okay. Um, so uh, this, I was confronting this person on a particular issue, and same situation, I start talking, projection screen comes up, and again I see a picture of myself. Um, except this time I'm a foot and a half shorter. Not, not, that's not as good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, and the expression on, and it was interesting because I saw that and as I was speaking, it was actually mirroring my same emotions, it was exactly the same. And then it was time for the, uh, the girl to you know, respond. And as she started responding, that's when everything changed. I, again, trying to be as honoring as possible, even if someone's being unreasonable with me or whatever else, I'm, uh, especially when I'm with a student, is I want to, okay, how do I listen in an honorable way right now? How do I even try to be honoring with my posture right now? Um, again, not that I'm perfect, but I'm going to try. <laughs> and I'm watching the, my you know, trying to maintain a polite uh, concentration face, turn into looks of scorn, of, of, of that kind of thing. Sorry if you're listening to this on audio, I'm making scorn faces. Um, uh, you know, this kind of, the, the, the eye rolling, the, the, the I can't believe you're saying this, the what, what are you even talking about thing over and over and over again. And, and this girl's actually getting agitated as, as she continues to speak and, and starts going into uh, again what I would call like a very victim-oriented mindset of, of no one's listening to me, no one trusts me, no one believes that, you know, da, 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 this kind of thing. Uh, and I'm just watching her have this experience of you don't care what I think, you don't value what I say, you um, don't do that. And so, come to the third person, another another uh, young lady, and having the conversation once again. And this time, uh, I saw a, a very skinny and spindly sort of version of myself, which was hardly recognizable. Um, <laughs> and um, and again, it was an exaggeration. But as I was speaking, as I was talking with her, the the posture and the and the 
um, movement was, uh, oh, I wish I could find a really good example. It was, it was clearly just posture and, and, and it immediately evoked the tone of manipulation of I'm trying to talk you into this. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to not let you get in a word edgewise. I'm, I'm trying to turn this all around back on you. That kind of feeling, that kind of posture, if it, you know, if you can imagine that in your mind. I can't really think of a good example apart from that. And I'm watching this girl again, feeling like, you know, getting, uh, starting to even almost hyperventilate a little bit, feeling like she's being manipulated, like she's being controlled, like she, like all these things are going on. It, it's so important for us to recognize that all of us have a filter. <laughs> and it's also important for us to recognize that all of us have a filter with God. All of us. <laughs> Sometimes that filter can look like, you know, God's angry at me, God's disappointed with me, God is, you know, uh, he is just constantly reviewing every mistake that I've ever made, just getting more and more disappointed, even though he knew me before the foundations of the earth. But, you know, the... Or that um, that God is sitting up there expecting more of me, expecting me to do this, expecting me to do that. Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you read your Bible this much? Why haven't you had spent this much time alone with me? That he's got this little ticker that he's taking this quota thing that he's checking all the time. I've also seen this go the other way where sometimes in a, in a culture that's really empowering, that's really encouraging, that emphasizes how good God is, how how kind he is, that that picture of his goodness may not know how to allow for a God who corrects. And so when the correction of a good and loving and kind father approaches, we may in fact reject it as a lie of the enemy (laughs) of condemnation if we don't have a filter that allows for a good, kind, and loving God to bring correction. (laughs) Does that make sense? And and I'll give you a clue as to whether you have a little bit of that filter in you, is if, as we're talking about the subject of correction, that feels scary, that feels like, you know, I, I don't know what that looks like. I don't have a picture of what a good, loving, correcting father looks like. That means you probably don't have a filter that can accommodate that yet. Does that make sense? Now again, I'm not trying to beat you up or anything, but there's value in recognizing that we have a filter and that we need that filter to be cleaned out, to be replenished, to be renewed by the Lord. Usually by receiving correction from Him. And again, it I'm going to bring it back to where we were. It's just so important to remember that he corrects us because he loves us. Proverbs 2.2 says that we, we are to tune our ear to wisdom. To tune our ear to wisdom. We have to learn to tune our ear to what wisdom sounds like. If any of you have ever played a musical instrument before, if... If your instrument's not in tune and everyone else in the band's instrument is in tune and you start playing... Nothing, nothing sounds right, you know? And if you think this is the right way to tune it, then all of a sudden everyone else is tuned wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
We need to tune our ear to wisdom. We need to recognize that the Lord is meant to be the plumb line that we measure if we are tuned correctly. Now, another thing that I've noticed that, that undermines our ability to receive true correction from God is almost going too far in the other direction where, where we're like, oh, I am but a worm in your sight, a disgusting and pitiful thing that, that is only making your floor messier by walking in here. You know, uh, your favorite prayer is, Lord, search me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Um, you know, I just need to work all this stuff out so that you can love me all the way. Um, that's a huge, huge filter. <laughs> because he knew you before the foundations of the earth. And I, I just want to make this biblical for you real quick. But in Ephesians 2, it's, for it is by, uh, 2, eight, For if you're taking notes, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. We... we you know, what were, we, what were we talking about last night? That, that our inheritance as sons and daughters of God is, is the presence of our Father, is God with us, is Emmanuel, is a God who is with us. And if we, we suddenly become very performance-minded, if we think that our mistakes and our issues and needing to work all this stuff out is more powerful than the blood of Jesus. I want to be very, very careful here because we can go the other way also where everything is fine. I can do whatever. You know. Um, <laughs> uh, and not, we talked about this last night briefly, but uh, not recognize that a relationship without boundaries doesn't mean anything. You know, that, that, that in fact, by being invited in as sons and daughters, part of our choice in that relationship is being invited in to feedback, to input, to correction. Does that, does that make sense? And I want to really paint a picture here because, like I said at the beginning, this isn't, you have so much wrong with you, we got to get it fixed. This isn't, you gotta. You, you you can have your dessert, but you have to eat all your vegetables. It it isn't that. It is. This is part of the the inheritance that Jesus paid for, so that the King of Kings could be present in your life. That you could. That you would not be subject to the filters, to the experience, to the representation of fatherhood and motherhood that you inherited by being born into your family. But you would be subject to the best father in the universe and have the opportunity through grace to be healed in your filter, to be healed in your perspective, to, to begin to make that filter fully clean to where you can stand in the midst of direct and specific feedback and correction about something that's going on and truly recognize this is not hitting my identity at all. This is actually lifting me into my identity. This is lifting me into my identity. This is you fulfilling your promise over my life. This is you inviting me into the inheritance that you called me to. This is you not just giving beautiful, uh, let, me just, let me just paint this real quick. How many of you have ever received a prophetic word at some point in your life? 
someone's given you a prophetic word. Okay. How many of you who have received prophetic words that one of those words was in some way seemed really, really big or almost unobtainable or how is that even going to be possible to be accomplished? Awesome. Good people are prophesying over you. Um, God is not the fairy godmother who wants to show up and bippity-boppity-boo you to the ball so you can meet your prince and then turn into a pumpkin or something. Um, I forget how it goes, but uh, the, no, no, no. Him bringing correction, him bringing a real relationship that gives feedback, that gives love, that gives kindness, that gives correction, that is him giving you your inheritance by building you into the kind of person for whom all those prophetic words make perfect sense. By building you into the kind of person who people will say, of course they're doing that. Of course they're doing that. You can probably think of some of those people. They, boom, they're doing this thing. Boom, they're doing that thing. They started this business. They created this. Oh, of course they're doing that. They're just that kind of person. God has a plan to build you into that person so that you, when you're there, you know you belong there. You know that that's yours. That it's not just happenstance or circumstance, but a loving father who guided you, who grew you into that person. Does that make sense? Just to bring this home one more layer, I, it was just a couple of weeks ago, I, I was in the garage and I was cleaning it out and, um, and you know, the kids were playing out front and they're playing with the hose and all that. And so, you know, uh, when they're playing with the hose, you're obviously trying to shoot your brothers and sisters and uh, <laughs> doing that and the brothers and sisters would run in front of the garage and then of course the streak of hose water would come into the garage and I'm like, Ah, blah, blah, you know, please don't get the entire garage wet, you know, please, please don't do that. Second time, you know, whoosh, hose water again. Third time, hose water again. You know, obviously two or three minutes apart, so a fair amount of time between these. Um, fourth, uh, fourth or fifth time, boom, water comes in again. And I start speaking too harshly to my son about him not needing to do that. And as I get two sentences in, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say, stop, slow down, and teach him. And two sentences into speaking too harshly, I stopped, I slowed down. I realized I was getting agitated because I didn't want to be distracted from what I was trying to get done. And so I stopped, walked to him, and talked him through it more and more clearly. And I walked back into the garage, and I didn't know why at first, but I just started crying. And as I just found myself doing that, I stopped and I thought about why. And I realized again that I love the correction of the Lord. He, but he is growing us, he is teaching us, he is guiding us how to be able to carry all of the beautiful, wonderful, magnificent things that he wants to give us. Because our God is a real God. And so what I, what I want to do today is I just want to take a little moment to, to, to lean into this idea. So I just want you to sit back and close your eyes. And I'm just going to ask you to exercise a little bit of self-awareness. I want you, there's, I just feel like there's a grace for this tonight. There are some, there are some times where working on this stuff, it's, it's maybe not the best time to do it, but I just feel a grace for it right now that, I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to uh, invite 
the correction of God. Which again, I, I want you to exercise some self-awareness and recognize, did I feel fear when he said that just now? Did I feel uncomfortable when he said that just now? Was I worried that I was going to be exposed? Was I worried that I was going to be ashamed? Just to be really clear, I'm not going to, I'm not going to correct you right now. Just FYI. Um, but we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us individually. And I want us to recognize what our heart's doing. Do I, where do I feel that restraint? Where do I feel that hitch? Where do I feel that block? Is it that I, I can't picture... Is that I can't picture him being good and correcting me at the same time. Is it that I think that there's so much wrong with me that I, I don't know where, where he would possibly start? And as you feel those little hitches, whether, whether it's something really specific, like an like a example from your life or a, or a relationship from your past that gave you this filter, or it's just a vague feeling, I just want you to invite the Holy Spirit to touch that area. Just invite him to touch that area. see him doing right now is I just see angels uh, moving through the room and they're they're lifting off a false picture of humility off of some of you this false humility that says I'm no good that says that why should God look at me why should God care about me why should God think about me I see him just replacing it with true humility. True humility ultimately is just trusting what God says. It's just trusting in what God says. I see I'm breaking off right now is some of you some of you had parents who did not show a good picture of what correction looked like some of you had teachers and coaches and strong authority figures in your life pastors even that that did not show you a good picture of what correction looks like and yes the Lord wants to heal that area and yes the Lord wants to touch it but one of the lies he's breaking off right now is that for you to experience good correction from him you have to have that all fixed it's not true. He can still speak to you. You can still hear him. And he, you can still experience his good, kind, and gentle correction. The intimate correction of a loving father who is guiding you. 
even with those relationships and those experiences still needing a lot of work. sitting here this may be a little bit deep but just some of you have have situations in your past you have choices that you made that that you just experience a deep regret that the enemy tries to throw shame in your in your face with these things I feel the Lord coming just to lift that away to take that away to remove the shame associated with that choice with that experience and I feel like even for some of you, there might this be this feeling of, I need to hang on to that. That me feeling bad about it is the only thing that gets me even close to being okay. It's the only thing that, it's the only thing that makes me know that, that I'm not going to do that again or, or I need to hold on to this. I'm just, there's an invitation right now to just trust him and let go of that. That you don't need to feel that shame, that you don't need to hold on to that. You don't need to hold on to that to recognize that that, that that choice was not the right one. You don't need to hold on to that to, to still have the benefit of the, of the truth that you already have, the truth that you know now. But the shame is not attached to that part of it. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus.
The enemy wants us to think that correction is always, you're doing something wrong, you're doing something wrong, you're doing something bad. <laughs> you know, honestly, most of the time, that's not really the case. Most of the time, it's just he has something better. It's just he has something better. <laughs> it's, it's really funny, honestly. I... Again, being involved in people's lives the way that I am in, in school of ministry. I, I you know, end up in a lot, and anytime you're in any ministry, you end up in the middle of a lot of situations with people's lives, a lot of choices. I think it's so important for every single one of us to know that truly and genuinely the Lord is, is not a taskmaster who's sitting there angry that you broke one of his rules. He is a father that is hurt that you are hurt. He's a father that wants the best for you, who wants glory for you, who wants joy for you. And is only ever sad when you get less than what he has for you. This release in the room right now, just the grace to renew our idea of what being corrected by God is. I just break that sound that, that happens in our heart and our head, that buzzer sound that I got the question wrong, I got, I, I didn't get it perfect, I didn't get it right, I didn't get 100% on the test. I just, I just break that sound that happens in our heart, that happens in our soul, that, that oh, I failed, I made a mistake, I didn't, I didn't ace the test. I just remove that right now. Getting into that kind of performance undermines the true goal of that kind of correction, which is intimacy, it is connection. stretch for some of you, but right now I just want to give you permission to argue with God. Before you get up here and hit me, sometimes because of the culture we grew up in, we step into an overly submissive role towards the Lord where we will accept something that he's saying or that we're hearing something that he's saying through someone else before we really accept it in our heart. <laughs> where we just say, well, you said that so it's true. And we don't actually engage with our heart. We don't actually engage with our heart. We, we actually suppress that feeling that says, oh, I don't feel that way or oh, I want to do that or whatever else. 
and we suppress that down instead of actually bringing that up to the surface and actually working that out with him. I'm not giving you permission to be argumentative with God or to disagree with God, but to be honest when our heart or something inside us doesn't agree with what he's saying. Because sometimes only in being honest with communicating with him do we actually get to the root issue. Do we actually get to talk about the real thing that he's talking about. That we actually get to have the real conversation behind what he's talking about. In fact, sometimes when we can be willing to voice that opinion, those are the times most often we recognize where our filter is. <laughs> we recognize instead of just, again, we want to be submissive toward God. I don't want you to mishear that. But when we do that unhealthy submission, leaves room for a filter that says that God doesn't understand my motivations or God doesn't understand what's behind this or God doesn't understand how important this is to me. I'm going to have my, my Basim students stand up here in just a minute. Um, we're going to stay in this place just a little bit longer. Um, I'm going to have everyone close your eyes, and this is, this is going to be a little bit vulnerable, so I want everyone to um, to keep your eyes closed, except for my Bassam students, because I'm going to have you cruise around here in just a moment. Um, if as we're doing this, you keep feeling triggered, you keep feeling um, anxious, you keep feeling like um, unsafe with the idea of being corrected by God, if you're having any of those kinds of emotions, I just want you to put a hand up and I want my students just to come and lay a hand and just partner with you and pray with you. I know that's a little bit vulnerable, but if that's you, if you're having those feelings, I just want you to hold, hold your hand up. And then one of my students will just come by and just rest a hand. okay it's so funny that we it was our instinct at the beginning and it's still our instinct to this day that Adam and Eve ate the fruit they realized they were naked felt ashamed clothed themselves and hid when God showed up for a walk it's so funny that they did that because of course he knew of course he was aware of course he knew before he planted the garden Yet still we have this instinct, this thing that says hi, this thing that, that that makes us want to retreat. God wants you to have hundreds and hundreds of experiences with him where you feel that feeling and then you see him with his arms open wide 
and you see him ready to embrace you and you see him ready to lift you closer to him when this thing inside you wants to pull away that feels scared. He wants you to feel how he lifts you up and holds you against him, how he hugs you without restraint, without, without holding anything back, without, without cringing away even in the slightest bit. We need those experiences over and over and over again. It's one thing to say it. It's one thing to say that his correction is loving, that his correction is intimate. It's another thing to experience it again and again and again, that, oh, wow, you really are loving when you do this. Oh, wow, you really are kind when you do this. There's more than one kind of faith. There's, there's blind faith, but then there's also experiential faith. There's blind faith where I, I haven't experienced this yet, Lord, but I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you are who you say you are. I'm trusting you're as good as you say you are. But that blind faith is meant to turn into years and years and years of experiential faith. Where you experience that kindness. You experience that goodness again and again and again and again and again. thing that I want to do. I just feel like the Lord has one more impartation just for the end here. So if, if you're able to, if you're in the middle of something, stay where you're at. But if you're able to, please stand up. The last thing with this is I just felt that um, I felt that there were two two groups of people, and I feel like this, it encompasses everyone who's in here, that, that this, this idea, this, this invitation to experiencing the loving correction of a, of a good father is, along with everything that we talked about last night, is just a, a, an invitation to a new level of, an, a, a, a new level of hearing his voice. I feel like some of you, you might be on the side of, I don't even hear his voice. I don't even know when I'm corrected by him. I don't even know what that would sound like or what that would feel like or what that would look like. If that's you, I want you to receive an impartation right now. For some of you, there, you, you can hear his voice and you can hear him speak, but I feel that he's about to open a door that goes to a whole nother wing, a whole nother area, a whole nother breadth and depth to the, to the conversation life with you. And that door is this correction, is this idea of correction. And even that the idea of correction being a, a bad word or a scary word, that there is a whole new level of conversation life. There's a whole new level of intimacy, of joy, of, of living conversation relationship with him you're about to step into. And if you're on either end of that, this, this same impartation is, is, is releasing that breakthrough. And so you would just hold out your hands in front of you and I'm just going to pray. Lord, I just release a new level of hearing your voice. That we can hear you clearly and we can learn quickly how we hear your voice. 
that any of the lies of the enemy would sound tinny, fake, and distant. That we would begin to discover how we hear your voice. For those who, who don't know what that sounds like or don't know what that feels like, I release dreams in the night tonight. I release, I release um, the still, small voice of the Lord. I release impressions. I release visions. I release pictures in the mind's eye. I release a new revelation in scriptures. I release a living voice right now in the name of Jesus Christ. For those who do hear his voice, who have a conversation live with you, I release that breakthrough, that, that bursting into a whole new wing, a whole new dimension, a whole new layer, a whole new depth of a Lord that is speaking all the time, that has an opinion all the time, that, it, that is not an opinion that's pushy, that's not an opinion, opinion that's controlling, that is not an opinion that's nitpicky, but one that is present and alive and thoughtful and real at every moment of every day. I just release breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough into that place right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Just stay here for a moment and stay with your hands in front of us. The whole time during worship today, I just saw this, this cloud coming into the room. And it just got thicker and thicker and more dense and more dense and more dense and more dense and thicker and thicker and thicker. And if you've ever been in, in the mountains or in uh, places where this happens, where, where the fog rolls in and at first it's thin and then it gets thicker and thicker and thicker. And the distance you can see gets shorter and shorter and shorter. And you, you, as you're seeing, you wonder, like, how dense can this possibly get? How much water vapor can actually fit into, into each inch here? How could that be possible? I asked the Holy Spirit what it was, and I just heard him say, it is the presence of my voice. It is the presence of my voice. And right now, as we're praying, as we're talking, I just see that presence moving over you. It's covering over you. It's encapsulating you. It's getting hard for me to see all of you. And it's... <laughs> It's exponentially more dense as it gathers tight around you, as it gathers close around you. That his voice is surrounding you. His opinion is surrounding you. His input, his companionship, his friendship is surrounding you right now. and I have been married for 11 years now. And, yes, thank you. <laughs> Hopefully that was April. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, and on the day that we got married, I, I, I didn't know it was that possible to be in love with a human being. And five years in, I had a moment, just a simple moment, I think we were just eating breakfast, where I realized that I was in love with her 10 times more than I was on that day. Then when we got to 10 years, I realized that I was in love with her even 10 times more than I was before that. And an immense 
part of that process is the life and the experiences and the fun and the joy and the vacations and all those good memories. And an immense part of that journey is the challenges and the pain and the mistakes and the and the the misplaced words and the life challenges and the sleepless nights so many children and <laughs> and I realized I was on our 10th anniversary that if you took away all that hard stuff that we would be half as in love, half as connected, half as, as intimate with each other. And if that kind of feedback and correction and working on it and working it out can create that much intimacy between two imperfect people, what can it do between perfect God and an imperfect person. There is a new height, a new depth, a new level of intimacy that the Lord is bringing to you. If you've been a Christian for 45 years, He is showing you that there are depths of love, depths of intimacy, depths of satisfaction that you have could not have even fathomed on the day that you were saved. If you got saved a few weeks ago, a few months ago, a few years ago, He is speeding you in further and faster and deeper into the depths of intimacy. He is inviting you in to know one another quickly, to grow in intimacy quickly. And so I just release that into this room right now to surround us completely, that it would be inescapable, that connection and intimacy with him would be inescapable, completely inescapable, and that nothing, nothing, no lie, no experience, no piece of our history would hinder the connection that we are invited into with you, Lord. Awesome. All right, I want to, uh, we're going to wrap up here, but I, um, I just want to have my students come forward, if you guys don't mind, and uh, hang out right here. And if again, even, even as we talk through there, if anyone else is feeling, feeling like they were missing something, feeling, again, that, that feeling of anxiety, this idea of correction, or, or just feels like that's not quite plugging in or connecting, I'd love for you to just come up and get prayer from one of the students, have them just speak good things over you, speak, speak the presence of the Lord over you, speak what, what they hear the Lord saying. Because there's something to... I'll, I'll, I'll say this... Um, as as uh, as reserved as my act of obedience of sitting down and doing that quiz was, that alone of I'm sitting down and doing this thing was enough to invite me into not only the breakthrough that Dan was releasing that day, but also this revelation about the way that the Lord works and the way that correction can work and all these things. If if and and. If something as simple as feeling the compulsion of the Holy Spirit to oh, just go up there and get some prayer. Oh, I don't know if that's going to do anything. Oh, I don't know if they're going to say anything that's going to help. Or I don't know if any of that. If he's saying it, then just do it. Because the obedience, the, the I don't know if this works or how this works, but I'm going to go ahead and do it, is 
There's just something so powerful in obeying what God says. Not in that do what you're told way, but in taking that step of faith, even if when it's something silly. Does that, does that make sense? I would, uh, I actually, and I, I say that because I feel there's some of that tonight. I also feel like this whole weekend there's some of that in worship. If the Lord is pulling you to do something in worship, to, to, to go ahead and take two steps even, you know. Um, uh, I would encourage you in this environment, in this season, to do that because there's something that's just on the other side of, of for lack of a better term, petty obedience, <laughs> you know. There's something that's just on the other side of that that... I would hate for any of us to miss out on. Does that make sense? So yes, once, once again, I just release visions in the night. I release dreams. I release open visions. I release visions in our mind's eye. I release the still small voice of the Lord. I release impressions. I release a, a heart that is in tune with the emotions of heaven that we would be in tune with what our Father is doing, what He's feeling, what He's saying, and where He's leading us. And that we would recognize when any of our filters is causing us to miss out on any of the goodness that he's releasing towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus or you've known about him, but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.